Holy shit, that started fast. <laughs> hey, everybody out there. Welcome to Zero Reserve. This is uh, Triple H and the Long bringing you some hot road action. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> the first. This is the Zero with episode of Zero Reserve. Wait, is this music going to go on for literally the entire time? Or? Well, welcome to episode two of Zero Reserve. Uh, is it today? Go ahead. I was gonna say, is it just me, or did it feel like at times that that music just was like going faster than it usually does? Hmm. I don't. I, know. I don't think that I caught that. I've listened to that intro lots and lots of times. You're, so, so you're saying that you are like a hundred of the hundred and twenty views? No, 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 no. I've listened to it locally. Locally. I'm, oh, okay. I'm not hopping over the YouTube for this. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I should though, right? That's like, that's far too extra. <laughs> so I'm today we've got a. You got you got the hundred. Yeah, I'm I probably have the hundred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> appreciate that, Francis. So uh, as you guys can hear, we've got a small podcast today. Uh, it's me, Alejandro, Alex, and Francis, the reigning, defending, heavyweight champion of the world. Francis, <laughs> thank you. To- Thank you, thank you. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, Does yeah. it feel real? Does it feel real yet? No, it doesn't. Doesn't. What else is he gonna say? Yeah, he so knew it, it's he knew it was pretty gonna insane, it. man. It's pretty insane. So if if you guys know me, which probably most of you don't, I don't get to make to go to many big tournaments, so. Just going to a big tournament like that and making it all the way feels unreal. Yeah, I mean, and uh, everybody that knew you, I think, was super excited to, to just see you keep going. Um, so it, it was definitely definitely a pleasure to watch on my side. Too. Yeah. Well, why don't we tell the listeners, uh, you know, a little bit more about you since, since, like you said, you don't get out too often in the Thrones world. Yeah, introduce yourself, Francis. Okay, so basically I started playing when 2.0 was released. Um, and uh, for, I just wanted to get into the game casually. And when I bought the first core set, there was a card, a business card on the back of the, of the box. And it was directing people to the Beyond the Wall podcast that was hosted by Alex Hines and uh, Dark Nage back uh, when, uh, when the game released. Yeah, I remember and, him saying that he was going to do this. It's, it's such a savvy move. Yeah, so, and there was a link to the Facebook group where I'm from in Quebec City. So I joined. Uh, there's only another new guy that joined as well. So we planned for a date to meet up to learn about, learn more about the game. And Alex taught us the game, and I, I just dove right into the game, bought two more co-sets, and... I never thought I would play any competitive events. Uh, and then at one point, Alex just said, oh, there's a tournament in Montreal. You want to make the drive? It's two hours and a half. I'm so, well, why not? So we made the drive. I lose to the uh, my first game to the eventual champion, who didn't lose at all all game long, all day long, sorry. And uh, just 
fell in love with the game and kept going up, up to the the worlds that just uh, passed us in uh, February. So that's how it started. Yeah, Francis and I have a have a really uh, interesting way of having met. Uh, I think I was playing on Iron Throne some some late night, uh, and I ran into this guy out of your mind who was playing. I think you were playing Targ Kohor, right? Targ Kohor back then, yeah. Yeah. And he was playing like an interesting build and he didn't make any mistakes. Uh, and so after the game, I was chatting with him and I was like, like, who are you? I, like, I don't know. I don't want to be offensive and like, like, uh, you know, say that, uh, you know, I hadn't heard of you. But like, at first I thought you were like a Smurf account for somebody else. I was like pretty interested in and like who who this Smurf account belonged to, uh, and then you're like, no, my name is Francis. I'm from Canada. And I was like, oh shit, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I've I've always been attracted to Targ, so which is one of the main reasons I wanted to play them at World, and they were good. But yeah, I've never got to play any events. I went to two tournaments in the U.S. Other than that, it's been Canadian Nationals, and I've not always done well. I finished last this year, so it's. It's an incredible way to to end the Thrones official Thrones career. Yeah, yeah, and you know, not only did that, but we started, you know, we started talking after that because uh, like the lobby crashed, um, and you found me on Facebook. So we've been chatting ever since. Yeah, that you know, Targ decks, uh, and then with the World Cup, we talked like every day. When you were on Team Canada and I was on Team US, but we we talked all the time about. Uh, you know, the matchups that you were going to go into, the matchups that I was going to go into, the like the full team matchups for each one. Uh, just super interested in, in everything World Cup. So I was happy to have somebody else to talk to about it. Yeah. And yeah. And the, the Targ Sea of Blood was a project of mine before the box. Uh, like you said, for the World Cup, that's what I was playing. So it was fun to get all the cards that released in the box, even if most people didn't like Sea of Blood. It was still the right choice to make and uh, it paid off. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit of that about that because you were playing, you were playing at the deck before the Targ box, so obviously they didn't have Womb, yeah. um, nor a bunch of other cards. Uh, and you were talking the deck up so much and and crushing the World Cup, right? That it it's mostly why I played Targ C at at Stalic, even though I eventually just went five three and didn't make the cut, but. Um, yeah, I mean the deck was good back then, and then they gave it some really, really, really ridiculous pieces too, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, the deck was really good before. It's just people didn't deck against it, so it was probably not as good, not as consistent. But since people were not ready for it, it was better in the sense where you didn't have to see bar- uh, barring the gates all the time. You didn't have all those counters to jumping effects, so it was, it was pretty consistent. Where uh, but it's a much different build where I had eight to ten attachments in the first version. Uh, it was abusing gifts for uh, gifts to get all the attachments needed and Voltron one or two characters and just intimidate the whole board with uh, six cost Recaro and Dragon Skull, and then it would just have a free uh, a free path to victory. But it was it was much quicker on power gain, but less aggressive. This was right. the version you played for the World Cup. Yeah, for the Swiss rounds of World Cup, and it was something that was... So when I went to Nationals last year, I took Targ, uh, Knights of the Hollow Hill, but a very different version of what was popular, the one that was popular from Germany. 
um I was talking to Storm a lot, Storm Humbert, uh, with a different version. I didn't like the opening of uh, Unexpected Delay. Um, I just wanted to be more aggressive, and it just backfired on me. I had a bad, bad tournament, and I I had started working on a Tarxir block by then, and I should have brought it to the Canadian Nationals. And when I was selected for the World Cup, I was just like, I know I'm taking this. I know I know how to play it. I know... Uh, how to counter the meta it was a it was barracoha was already very good uh, but it was a good deck to counter it because it was so aggressive um it was running like two or three bloody arax it was running queen's guard it was running tokar to stop the power rush from other decks as well so it was, it was already very good and i actually went five and oh in the world cup with a dark seal of blood before the target box so it was, it was a very good deck absolutely um yeah, tell tell us about uh, your your world's testing. Yeah, so world's testing was was pretty weird for me because I was I was gone in uh, on vacation for three weeks in Hawaii, uh, right before world. So I had started my testing like, and I I think I started in November when the box was released, knowing very well that I might get hit by a restricted list, but I knew I was going to play Tarxia of Blood no matter what, and I kept telling Alejandro like I'm I'm on Tarxia of Blood, I don't care. Whatever happens, I'm going to find a way to make it work. So I started testing in November when the box dropped. I had a prime in Ottawa. So I made the whole uh, five, five and a half hour drive to Ottawa for a prime. And uh, I was able to go undefeated. Uh, the night before, I remember talking to Alejandro uh, because he had played against some some Lanny Shadows at Stalic, and I was wondering how to beat it. And so we discussed a few changes to the deck. I was not sold on the box Rakaura at first. I switched it the night before, before even. Uh, I never tried uh, testing the box Rakaura. I just, I like the other one so much because of the power gain and the intimidate and everything. But I, I still decided to try it. And I remember the first thing I did after winning the event is I sent a message to Alejandro and I'm like, I want three of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a really funny moment. I, I remember it because you you took some convincing. You're like, you know what? I'll do it uh, almost just to appease me. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll test it in this prime. And then after the tournament, he's like, I want three, dude. I was like, what? Yeah. yeah so uh, he, And at the time, I wasn't convinced. And of course, you know, as we know from episode one, we ended up taking three Ricaro in our deck, too. Yeah, exactly. So what happened is that every time I would get blood of my blood in my hand, he was the first target I wanted it from Blood of My Blood before Jogo and before Kotho for the simple reason I only had one and I wanted to see him every game. And he was just so clutch at getting cards out of the hand with a two and three claim as well. So you're you're already removing three three cards from hand, which is just insane value for a four coster. And if you're able to get the entry claim right after. Absolutely. So you've managed to talk for like Three minutes after I asked you this testing question, you never even mentioned what I really wanted to know was yeah. who did you test with? Yeah, that's what I was going to come up to. So um, so I, I told Alejandro about my plan of, well, first of all, playing Tarsia of Blood, but also since I know I'm going on vacation, I was like, I, I don't have any testing partners up in Canada. I have Michael Cito, but he's in Montreal and, and we don't always have the time to play. So I'm like, I mean, like, I'm interested in testing with you guys from the NorCal if you're in, like if you want and if uh, if everyone wants as well. So 
uh, and uh, it was it was pretty cool man. everyone accepted me i was the only one outside of north cal if i'm not mistaken okay. and and uh so we just started testing games and even while i was on my vacation you know my girlfriend was getting ready for for a night out or something i was like hopping onto my phone getting some messages in trying to see like i was, <laughs> I was following the meta even during my trip i was like i'm going to worlds i'm not gonna like take all this time off from work after just taking vacation three weeks vacation and then just go punt it in Worlds. so i was i was pretty invested in it and but I was, I, like I said, I was waiting to have the perfect time where I wasn't busy or anything. I wasn't taking my phone out during vacation, obviously. So, but I was, I was following the meta, and then I remember waking up one morning, the the restricted list dropped, and I, with the time difference, I was, I was late to it. So, so I wake up one morning, I see that Kotho isn't hit, nothing is hit from Dark Sea of Blood. Uh, so, I, as soon as I got back home, I remember I just started grinding games with people from NorCal trying to find ways to uh, like get better with the deck, see what the new meta is going to shake up to and took the deck to worlds. Yeah. So there we have it folks. Uh, really the only reason that I wanted to have this podcast was to, to steal some glory from Francis and bring it over to NorCal. Really? Oh, they deserve uh, some glory <laughs> for sure, man. It was a blast. No, yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was really great having you. You're right that you were the only um, non NorCal person. Um, but that was just this season. Like it, We've definitely had outside of NorCal testers with us, like uh, LGB tested with us for for a good while actually, um, before he stopped playing really. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a pleasure having you. Everybody was super excited to have you, and of course we we're very happy to to see you uh, end up victorious. That was really cool. Yeah, it was. What was fun about it? It was. You know, I didn't go to Worlds expecting to win. So just meeting you guys over the weekend and not not like, yes, I got to meet you guys and everything, but the whole testing house I got to meet as well. I got to meet Alex uh, like before we played in the finals as well. Uh, I knew I knew who CT and Jess were because they came up to Canadian Nationals at one year and CT actually comboed me round one once. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to, getting to meet like even the uh i was for a while i was play testing with daryl uh storm and austin we just had a target group where we bounce a bunch of target target decks uh, around and uh, mostly storm uh, if you know storm he likes to to test a bunch of decks for fun so uh it's get it, like just good to meet everyone that i talked to online and get to hang out and even get to meet some people I had never talked to before. That was the best part of the event. And just winning it all was just cherry on top. But the people made it so, so much fun. And even just when Alejandro got like, I was talking with some people, Alejandro got to me and he says, he's, he's hugging me from behind. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> it's the first time I actually see him in person. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I hadn't met you before. And I was like, I think this is Francis. And then I did it. And I was like, God, I really hope this is Francis. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to miss. I'm, I'm just a I'm tall sure. guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was a pleasure me, meeting you, man. Uh, yeah, and hanging out the whole weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of always the thing at these tournaments, right? That, I mean, we all love playing the game. Uh, but mostly, like hanging out with everybody and, and talking to everybody and meeting everybody that you play with online uh, is really, really the best part of these things. Yeah. 
Yeah, you say that you haven't, you know, maybe gone to as many tournaments um, as you'd like, but I mean, shit, man, you you've only played like thirty less games on Jousting Pavilion than me, so you know, don't <laughs> don't sell, don't sell yourself short. You you get around, you know. But uh, but yeah, this being your first Worlds event, um, obviously uh, a, an amazing finish. Um, what do you? What were your big takeaways outside of winning the tournament um, on the experience, uh, whether it be sort of from a competitive standpoint of a tournament this size, or or maybe you know just about your experience in in playing against people from around the world? Um, what were your big? Yeah, what were sort of your big takeaways from the event outside of winning? Obviously, we know that's the, yeah. the number one. So I remember leaving. Uh, when I left work, I, I worked with one of my good buddies, and I told him like, "I'm I'm gonna get fucked. I'm on the hard day," and I'm like, "But at the same time, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, well, I've played all these people online. I just never played in person, and I started thinking that I could actually making day two was not that hard with the deck that I was playing. I still had to play well, but it wasn't that hard." And then I get paired against Chris Chris all round one, and then I'm just like he's he's on Stark Fealty, flips over Winterfell and Recon, and I'm like, yeah, that's my world's tournament right there. <laughs> Sad. So, but the like the good part, it was competing like the whole competing the whole weekend, even in the Laughing Tree event, even it was for fun. I was playing Barracohor, I never played that deck. Um, it was a solid deck. I just wanted to know like how it played played more since i like i said since i was on vacation i i grinded a lot of games when i got back but i didn't get to test any other decks other than dark sea of blood so i wasn't fully sure about how good barakohar was other than playing against it so i wanted to know what it was so i i took it to the laughing tree got to play against a, a bunch of good players uh melee was fun got to meet a lot of people i'm just the social aspect of the whole weekend was was just the best part. And playing against a, a I mean, usually people who go to Worlds are some of the top players. So getting to play most of the top players in the world was a very fun experience as well. Now, did you do you have any uh, previous experience in in card games before Thrones, or was Thrones your first? Thrones, your first, my first love. Thrones my first love. I've I've played like most kids. I've played Pokemon when I was a kid, but never played seriously. So yeah, Thrones was very very much my first uh, competitive card game. Yeah, I have to say, I I you know watching you the whole weekend and then eventually playing you in the finals, um, I was very impressed with your technical play. Um, I thought you know people often say that oh if you if you play exclusively on the Iron Throne, you're going to develop bad habits this that and the other but I, you know perhaps anecdotally anecdotally at the very least you know i think uh your proof that uh really just playing playing a lot uh is really the most important things when it comes to to, to sort of honing your th- your ability in in thrones and, and card games in general so um and that being said, I'm a little curious uh, to talk about the actual list since we did end up playing such a close list. Um, I believe we were only two cards different, ultimately. Yeah, um, two cards different. 
what for you going into the the last you know a uh, few days before deck submission what were the big card like what were the big questions what that you wanted to try to answer what what were the last minute changes for you actually the night the night that we uh, sent the list i did make two changes i wasn't sold on either hago or ago i don't remember which one because i had Ago, I wasn't sold for the lack of summer plots, but he did have the green icon that I wanted in my deck. And Hago was just underwhelming. But at the same time, he has the trait, he has the cost, and two icons that are very good. So I decided to put them back. I had two Iron Thrones in my list for a long time. Uh, I know you guys tested it. I was one of the person that kept pushing it to Alejandro. Like, this is good. This was a good card. And... Uh, I, I just realized it's a reaction card and that's not what we wanted to do with the deck. You just want to put pressure. And I had I so I decided to put back one of the blood riders that I had removed and I decided to put a Drogon in. So I wasn't on Drogon. I was I was against having Drogon in my deck for so long. And I was just like if I draw him and I'm able to play him, he just changes the game other than being able to not play him with the womb or with the overwhelming numbers, but being able to marshal him or even uh, ambush him during a, a mid challenge just changes the game so much uh, for his for his reaction of being able to burn through dupes. So I decided to add him without playtesting, but I've played so much Stark before that I was confident that he is going to be good. I only got him once in the whole event, though. Uh, so I can't say how good he was in the deck since I didn't get to see him much. Um, that is kind of the nature of of playing, you know, a singleton copy of a card. I can say that uh, we also played a Drogon, and it was um, it was actually pretty critical. I remember now I was telling the story of my game with Reinhardt in the last episode, and I think I was misremembering some things. And after reflection, I remember now that um, I, I did flip uh, the Vanquished on that turn, and I had a market, so I had six gold. And on my counterattack, I was able to ambush the Drogon and then play the Kotho, the Masande. I mean, and it was just such a huge counterattack. Yes. Um, that's on his sneak attack turn, right? So he couldn't exactly, intrigue exactly. it away. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, Drogon obviously had its issues, but it just felt so swingy in those games where it, where you were able to trigger it. Yeah. Um, and I agree that the Hago was easily the worst Blood Rider in the deck. Um, you know, and and yeah. and the Ago, we 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 had cut the Ago for a while, but 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 like you we really valued that intrigue icon and especially with with the blood of my blood um it it made its way back yeah the, the blood of my blood is what made those two cards back into the deck where you might not need them for the abilities but just having the body for cheap because blood of my blood you're usually going to have it for one or two gold not the full three and if you do pay the full three, you'll usually get an impact character like Jogo or Lagaro. But just having the, the the icon, he gets a strength buff from the devoted blood riders. He has he he has the power icon. He has a good strength. He's he's four cost. I mean, he's not the greatest, but he does what the deck does well. So, and what one other point that's like uh, a bit niche, but it matters is that 
against the bad matchup, right? The the one matchup that we were really concerned about going in was the Lanny Shadows matchup. Yeah. It's another if you go first, which is really important. Um the the, the reason why it's really the matchup is really bad, it's like it's one card, right? It's it's Robert Strong. Yeah. Um and they play at least two summer plots. And so if you if you can trigger his action before Robert Strong has a chance to come out and blow something up, like that actually ended up battering, at least in our testing, was yeah, you know, the the ability to to use him before your guy dies. Um so it's it's not big, right? Like we weren't running any summer plots, so we weren't getting any value of him out of him ourselves, but in the bad matchup it actually mattered that that his action could play around our worst card. Yeah, that's that's what I saw as well with the uh, with the Algo in the Shadows matchup. Uh, Michael Cito actually played uh, uh, Lanny Shadows the whole time. I was testing Dark uh, Sea of Blood. He was on Lanny Shadows. He was on Lanny Shadows uh, during the World Cup. So he 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 was like my testing partner for 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 that matchup. Uh, so it helped him in some way to be better against Dark Sea of Blood, but it did help me to see that matchup better as well. And uh, yeah, the the stand was one of the cards that, uh, like, one of the effects that I valued the most in that matchup, which is one of the reasons I had trouble cutting Queen's Guard. Because if you remember Alejandro, I was on Queen's Guard for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, you you were on some weird stuff for a long time. You know, yeah. The 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 only thing that I that you know we talked about after the test hard test house started was like dude we, we tested your card right like your card has been the iron throne and i'm telling you it's not good enough like yeah it's not pushed the needle enough so we're not on it i, I recommend that you just put more threats yeah and that's that's what that's when i decided to cut it i i didn't cut it right away i thought about it and then the night the night we had yeah, yeah, you, the told list, me, I did. you told me right before Right before you got to Minnesota, I think, when you were submitting your deck list, you're like, all right, I'm, uh, I'm trusting you on this one, and I'm going to cut the Iron Thrones. Yeah. I was like, all right, but don't trust me on it. Like, make this your call because <laughs> yeah, yeah, you I remember. you're responsible for this. Yeah. And for the Blood deck, like, we were – the full seven cards were the same, right? And yeah, yeah, that's yeah. correct. And so the, the March – I think I slotted in March – before Valor M, um, I was just tired of people setting up one big guy in front of me. I was like, this That's, if I yeah. yeah if I play March, it's just game over. So yeah, uh, I know I know we tested a game in those it, those upcoming weeks where I played Bear Cohor. Yeah, and like since I knew your deck and I knew Targ C right, like I think I set up the Dupe Stannis bodyguard zero cost uh, location. And it was like, well, if he if he slotted in, otherwise, like this is gonna be really tough for him. And not uh, only not only is it just like good to have to punish people the greedy setups, but um, it's also just you know a good it's good in aggro because yeah, yeah, you can use it to finish yeah. wiping the board after a big claim turn. You yeah. know, you can't put to the sword of Stannis, so sometimes it's the best way to get rid of one. It's it's just uh, I just really like it in both uh aggro decks and attrition decks alike not to mention the initiative there were a lot of games where um initiative mattered more than anything else and so you 
are predicting your opponent's plots and you just want something that you can, you know, pretty assuredly say you're, is going to allow you to go first. So I thought Marshall Law was excellent. And, uh, um, and the Valor, uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on the Valor, how you utilize the Valor in your games, because obviously you listened to the last episode. So you've heard sort of how we were utilizing it. Um, but I'm interested in hearing how, if it was any different for you. So it wasn't different. I just never had to use it the same way you guys did. The only game I could have done it was against Hano, but my hand was not good enough for me to do it. Uh, but I remember, so I remember you you mentioned last episode that you and Alejandro got a, a Skype call or a Discord call. I don't remember which one it was. Yeah, and, yeah. And you discussed opening, like the opening of uh, Valor for Lanny Shadows against Barakor. And yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I told Alejandro, I said, why don't we do the same thing with Tark's Sea of Blood? And he told me, yeah, I just I just got off the phone with Alex, and that's what we discussed a bit. And I had a prime, so I got back from my trip on Friday, the Friday before Worlds. And the Saturday, the, the following day, I had a prime in Montreal. And, and crazy like I am, I just did the drive right away. And I decided, I, I, so I had the exact same plot deck I had at Worlds, I had in Montreal. Uh, there was no barrack cohort, so I was sad to not test it there, but it just did so much work. Um, there was one game against Night's Watch Valyrian still where he had three stall plots. And on plot four, he had Three Finger Hob, Clytus, and none of it was protected. And I just went to town with Valor M and just swung the game around because of it. So I just never had, at Worlds, I never had the chance to do it, but it was there for it yeah i think i did the math i ended up opening valor in the tournament four times which just is a lot when you consider yeah. that you know i only played 12 games yeah I, I i don't know why i just never had to maybe it was the way i was like the setups i had were more character centered than location centered and not having kotho in hand earlier or things like that matters yeah a lot. We, i think we that definitely expected I think we definitely expected the times in which you'd need to Valor or want to Valor on turn one to be much less than they ended up being. So it's possible that it was just, you know, kind of the way the games went and it wasn't actually that yeah, imperative. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely thought about it uh, in my game against... So I played Barracor top eight and top four. Against Ryan Wood, his setup was just trash. So I couldn't... Because my setup was uh, Plaza of Pride, Womb, and like uh, the King's Road. And he just had to like Angie the Archer and a, another Chud. So I'm like, I'm not going to VM that because it's not worth it. Uh, but had he had a big guy uh, with no dupe, I would just just Valor. Like my setup was basically Valor. I'm going to Valor you right away. Did you remember? Uh, do you remember what he opened against you? I think Ryan opened. He might have opened King Plot. I think it was King Plot. Uh, to limit, yeah, I think it was King Plot because I didn't trigger Womb that turn. Interesting. Either King Plot or Barring, but it's one or the one or the other. Because uh, I only had two characters, I couldn't trigger Sealed Blood that turn. Probably couldn't Kotho that turn, but he like Ryan just. It sucked for him. He just drew nothing all game long. 
And the only time he drew something was on his you win or you die and couldn't play anything. And then against Hano, he had he had undo Bob, but I only had a I had a forecaster. I think I had Ricaro on board, a devoted blood rider, and then a one cost location or something like that, or a zero cost location. I and my redraw wasn't good enough for me to valor, but might have been the good call. Uh, but still ended up being able to win it. So, well, and that's one of the that's one of the things that makes the the sea of blood deck so resilient is that you have all these you have all these plots and these uh like you know technology cards that are meant for the specific matchup but outside of maybe you know a few cards um there's really so many ways that the sea of blood deck attacks you you know and that seems may sound odd because it is a very linear deck in that it, it it's primarily motivated to make military challenges against you but you know if they play barring the gates you know that doesn't prevent you know two or four claim challenges um you know it doesn't prevent put to the sword these these things um so that was what we found in testing was people would you know they would pack all these answers expecting that it would really change the the matchup for them but ultimately they couldn't really deal with the claim plus the tart, the sea of blood trigger, um, you know, and also just deal with the, the tempo uh, that Targ is able to provide, uh, whether it be from Kotho or for, from womb, etc. cetera. Um, there really were only a few things that like absolutely stopped the deck cold in its tracks, you know, parlay being, being probably the best one. Um, so that's I think that's just why the deck was so good for the tournament and is just such a force in the meta right now. Yeah. And and like you said, it it the agenda makes it a priority to win the military challenge and the deck is based around it. But the green challenge is just so important in the deck as well. Just trying to poke away some some cards that could hurt you or even do the power challenge if you think Barra's running privileged position just sequencing it right was uh, the deck is linear but you have to play it right to make it work uh, yeah things aren't always as simple as people make them out to be that's 100 percent true yeah i could have played I, I feel like i could have played a lot better um as far as like especially from a sequencing standpoint even after the whole week i still found myself um you know during the tournament uh making lot taking lines that were not you know, the most, um, ideal ultimately. So it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I think that you clearly showed a mat, you know, a mastery of the deck and, and it's evidenced, uh, you know, obviously by you winning, but, you know, it seems to have come as a, as a result of, of, of a lot of dedicated time spent learning the deck, you know, whereas, you know, some, some of us just, uh, you know, or kind of winging it more or less, uh, picking it up after a week. So it's it, it pays to have that to have put that time and effort into a deck. Obviously, there's there are consequences to just sort of like, you know, there are consequences, uh, you know, both positive and negative. Obviously, but having having dedicated yourself to a faction and to to a specific deck for for a period of time, you know, really paid dividends for you. Yeah, I, I've always been a fan of the Dothraki theme, and I was even trying to. I told Sam at uh, Sam Bratz at the at the event that I was trying to recreate his uh, Targ Crossing, the Power Rush deck, but 
there's so many decks like you guys mentioned in the in the testing house where it just folds the Targ Sea of Blood. So that I was yeah. like, yeah, if I'm gonna play Targ, I'm gonna play Targ Sea of Blood. I'm not gonna play anything else. It just it's just stupid. Targ Cohort just folds. Everything folds to it. So there's look maybe- the stars. The stars just aligned. You know, I mean, yeah. you had been playing Sea of Blood for the the previous few months, and and like you said, you're you're you know a targ loyalist more or less yeah. uh it was just the right time but you know that's that's fine you just got to take advantage when the when when the time is right yeah exactly 100 percent. i mean same for me i've i'm not sure that my my loyalty has been as strong as yours but i've definitely played a lot of targ in my day so i was happy to go out on the uh, last official event playing targ So, you've won the world championship. What's next? I'm just gonna keep playing. There's, there's nothing, nothing next. It's just gonna keep doing what I always did. For sure, people invite me to tournaments much more than before. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I have to talk with the, the player council eventually to create a, a card design. But haven't thought about it much. Other than probably going to be something represented in Targ because yeah, I love him be so a, much. It's got to be some braided boy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably going to be someone on a horse. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep playing. I, I mean, I joke a lot about not having a local meta, but I still have a couple of players who play more casually that do go to events, but they're not super intense. Uh, but I still get get to play with them every now and then i'll still hop on iron throne and get some games in uh but other than that nothing changes which is why i I still feel like it's i have trouble accepting that i won is that nothing changes right You, you you just go back home you play cards again more people know me but that's it i was just playing a super good deck and that i've been playing for a long time and I'll keep playing Targ. I've, I'll keep playing other factions as well, but nothing changes. So I know we've uh, we've talked at length about about the um, at least I have talked at length about the, the my games during the tournament. But I'm interested in your from your perspective the final game. Um, obviously, we know each other's decks. Um, you have a great hand. What did you think, from your perspective, what did you think of the way that the, the game played out? Have you gone back and watched the game at all on the stream? I probably watched the game five times, and it, it, feels, <laughs> it feels the same way watching it as how I was feeling during it. Um, I think you just, you were unlucky in the, the cards that I drew from, from the get-go. Uh, I drew, like I told you, I drew the first four cards were... Kotho, Braided Warrior, Womb, Marini's Market. I knew I was keeping. I just looked at the three other cards. And like you said, I snapped, I snapped, get the hand, knowing it was going to put pressure on you. Either I have the King's Road or I have a monster hand. And I knew when you played King's Road, I knew I was losing, losing the initiative, but I still wanted to play Vanquish because I needed the claim. I needed the gold. I could hit you back harder. And just in case you got greedy and not played a, a vanquish i was like maybe he's going to he's going to be greedy knowing he has the initiative and think i'm not going to play uh, the vanquish 
and then I redrew into Aegon and I knew how my turn was going to be right away. And from that point on, all I told myself was, unless you fuck it up, you're going to win this game. And it was, it's not because you were playing bad. It's just the cards just drew perfectly for me. Yeah, I do think, uh, I don't think I mentioned it on the first episode, but um, what ended up being like sort of a crucial uh, part of that turn actually was the lay siege on the Plaza of Pride. Yeah. Because it it really hampered my ability to push Drogo's ability um, and, and really put a lot of pressure. I mean, I think if I have the Plaza of Pride, there's a chance the turn ends in more or less a stalemate because you're forced to commit a lot to the defense of the second military challenge um, in order to save your womb of the world, or at the very least you may two claim me, but you may not trigger sea of blood on the backswing. You know, it, it's, it's things that uh, I, I think I understand, you know, obviously you had a very good hand, yeah. but I think there are, uh, there are different ways that the, that the game could have gone, could have been played at least from my perspective. I feel that way. Um, I will say that I think, um, I think the lay siege was obviously big, uh, but with hindsight, knowing that the devoted blood rider was the womb of the world trigger, I think he actually would have been like, had he not had lay siege, I think he's even in a better position than if he had, because he plays the Plaza of Pride instead. And now he's got, uh, you know, instead of kneeling out your five coster, your five strength guy, he stands his six strength guy. So, Oh sure. So you had a Plaza of Pride in hand at the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I had it from the get go. I just I only played it like turn four. I never had the goal for it. I always had the goal for something better. Um, but like like Alejandro just mentioned, the the, uh, the devoted Blood Rider was actually much better than people thought. When I when I flipped it, I was I was a bit upset, and I'm like, he actually sh- like boosts Kotho enough to to defend the second military challenge because yeah, no it actually was exactly you know i yeah. think yeah the the devoted blood rider was fine i mean yeah honestly like i was really you know hoping for the complete whiff um and we came close but uh <laughs> not yeah, close and, enough <laughs> and the turn i think the turn that you played king in the north and i was able to fetch my my king attachment Oh um, yeah that was big yeah i, I love the play i was like oh he's going to go grab this gifts and then, like, I thought that that was going to take away Alex's ability to do it at all. And then you did it. I don't know if you weren't thinking about it, Alex, or if you just didn't care about the cost there. But uh, Francis being able to play gifts so during military. So what um, happened is that turn, he he did the intrigue first, and I defended with Kotho. So I had no other standing military icon when he he uh, he did the military. So if probably his thinking is if I whiff, he still gets it um that's how and i i even told uh, alex during the game i don't know if he he heard me but he does the intrigue i full block with kotho and i just look at him and i say it's time to gamble and i'm like the the womb is going to be a gamble trigger but i i I had to do it yeah it's not it's just not that big of a gamble though i mean no no, but if you whiff if you whiff hard and he gets the trigger the sea of blood it just unfolds the whole game right there Sure, 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 sure. What I'm but, saying is that the gamble is like womb is like ninety plus percent chance. Yeah, of exactly. It's not a huge gamble. Just it, you know, the stakes are high. Sure, 
uh, but the percentage that you're going to whiff entirely is not. No, I, I think in retrospect, um, it was very likely a mistake on my part to give you the opportunity to play the gifts, but um, I had my back against the wall a bit at that point, so I had yeah. to. I had to kind of. It was a bit of an angle, <laughs> hoping that you wouldn't wouldn't uh, that you would forget basically that you could play it. Obviously, but um, it, ha- it was a it, it was a greedy play on my part. But I think from my perspective, it was you know it was maybe the type of risk I had to take in that scenario. I'm not entirely it's, sure. It's probably fair, right? Like you're you're pretty far behind at that point. You have to play to your outs, which. Is just like him having a very low percentage hit on a womb trigger. Yeah, and I think I hit Jogo on that one, which got me to be able to play him next turn, which was just... Uh, yeah, I played Jogo the next turn on my furry. We double furry, but uh, I think the biggest mistake Alex made was getting the power on Cal Jogo, which put him ahead on power. Yeah, that, that was, was also in there. Yeah, that, so that's what I was trying to to make sure I was never over you on power. So it's either a coin flip or I get initiative when we're gonna be tied on initiative. And this uh, is just a this is another example of just you know you your experience with the list. I think it just led to cleaner play. Like you, you yes, you had a better hand than me from the get go. But I also just think you played the game better than me. And so, you know, are very deserving of the victory. Yeah, I, th- I think the finals was, un- unlike the semifinals, the finals was a clean game from my from my end. Absolutely. And I, I also had to play Kevin round three in the Swiss and Tom in the top 64 games. So I, I did play two of the, de- like twice against the same decks. And I never won initiative in any of the games. Uh, on turn one and was able to win all three games so uh, like you mentioned in the first episode winning initiative wasn't always the key in the matchup and I knew that going in to the finals that I had won two games without initiative and didn't care for the king's road as much as I cared for the jumping effect so having two right from the get-go was key yeah and we definitely oversimplified absolutely like the go first you win thing Uh, I think I think mostly because we we didn't do that many mirror tests in the testing house. Um, and like the few that we did were actually decided pretty quickly. Like, well, that's the thing is we, we played, we definitely played lots of mirrors, but I think we hung our hat on, oh, these are getting decided by the initiative when, and then we didn't really try and readjust our game plan where, you know, in retrospect, it, it seems obvious now that the tempo was just such a more important matter in the mirror. Yeah. You know, having the tempo of a womb or a Kotho, you know, just or or Aegon even, um, obviously, just were were more important ultimately. And and you know, it's it's po- it's possible too that uh oh, you know if we want to continue to talk about how poorly i played the final um <laughs> uh you know e- even with um uh cuz i think i didn't i set up duped double duped kotho yeah that uh, that was huge for me as well like i think that was just a mistake i'm not really I mean, sure how i should have set up al- alternatively but losing the tempo from from being able to just like jump the kotho into play um you know and maybe having like a six drop or something in play instead or, or so even, you're pro- you know 
probably with the hand that you had would be Cal setting up Cal and uh, Braided Warrior. Right, and foregoing the King's Road. But that's the problem is that I was tunnel visioned based yeah. on our playtesting yeah, on, so, on the initiative at matter. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was the other option for setup because, you know. But then I just Valor, right? Sure, um, but I still have I still have Kotho, and I'm yeah. flipping five eight two. Like I'm not entirely I sure. There. Well, no, I still you? have Woom and Kotho. You still have Woom and Kotho. That's for sure. Um, but I, you know, I could even then take a cheeky line of, well, yeah, you're going to Valor, so now maybe I flip my return here or, or something. Like exactly. So there, there are just. I think that game can get played out in a lot of different ways. Yeah. From my from my perspective, um, and King so of course, course, right, exactly. Uh, there, there are a lot of options there, and I kind of priced myself into, into, you know, trying to blow your womb of the world up, and like we talked about after the match, uh, the the way in which. Um, you kept that hand really indicated to me that you had a Kotho yeah. and I just didn't, I wasn't able to sort of step back from that and make an informed decision, you know, <laughs> with the knowledge that I could, I could guarantee that I was going first. Um, and so I think that was, that was definitely a mistake on my part, but you know, obviously um, it's a, it's a long day uh and i was very fortunate to get where i was um so no complaints on my end but i it's just that you know it's just kind of how i am i like to go back and and sort of think about how i could have played better or, or or differently in in scenarios like that but um you know it was a blast being under the lights obviously and uh super happy that you know someone who brought the correct deck to the tournament won obviously <laughs> yeah it was it was the right call it was the right call yeah i i can't i can't tell you how excited i was when three of the people that i tested with were in the top four i was like you know i this is this is better than me being there because holy shit that's so fucking cool dude yeah i almost fucked it up against hano though <laughs> you did, you did. Yeah. Like, I, I was really nervous for you while i was getting on my fucking plane yeah when, when people come see you after the game and say, how much did you pay Hano to not flip barring? I'm like, I didn't even think about that. I, f I felt bad for him, but I like the first turn where we didn't calculate the strength properly. And I went back to see the game and I, I clearly hear myself say five, I lose five to five. So I'm, I wasn't thinking about the devoted blood rider. Uh, it's, it, there's a lot of pressure in those games, right? So, so you make those silly mistakes and everyone missed it. I was looking at the cast to make sure everyone on Twitch missed it as well. And everyone on Twitch did miss it. So I was like, it wasn't only me. It wasn't only Hano, the judge. It was, except someone in the stands, everyone missed it. So if world, if the next world championship is at Stalic, are you going to defend your title? I would like to go. Um, being able to go is another story. I I never know it. I think it's in November, right? It's in November, yeah. 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 So I don't know. For me, work is pretty busy around those uh, those time of the year, around November, December. Uh, Got to make it money wise as well, but definitely want to try to make it for sure. 
always like Alex Hines always sold me on going to a castle and playing cards and getting <laughs> drunk is a good idea. Right. Well, and that's completely hypothetical, right? I mean, who knows where worlds will be? It just definitely seems like that's an idea that a lot of people have been putting out there. Um, I know I'd like to go to Stalic for my first time. Alejandro, you've been twice now? Twice. Yeah. yeah. And it seems like you've got nothing but good things to say about it. The only thing that that I would say is that I regret staying up as late as I did the night before the joust because uh, I was absolutely wiped this last year, but that's not a fault of Stalic. Like, I was having a blast playing 1.0 rental uh, until the next day when I just couldn't function as a proper human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely definitely want to go to Stalic and, and play cards and enjoy being with everyone over there, but uh, we're going to see in uh, November if it's possible. Well, before, because I have to register before, but definitely want to go. Yeah, you know, you guys are. Uh, I have. Uh, I had kind of conceded that I wasn't going to be able to go this year, and then you guys keep talking about it. I'm like, well, well. Yeah, when do tickets go on sale? Because uh, uh, I haven't decided. It. Yeah, I really, I really want to go, and I especially, you know, I would say, I would say the chances of going for me are probably going to be increased if they do name it the World Championship, because if they don't. I feel like, oh, maybe I can go in 2021, you know, but it's, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, we know it's, we know it's happening on the same level this year at the very least. It seems like a no brainer, right? Like you would think you would honestly think it'd be really hard to come up with another event, right? Like the, everything's still being organized. So uh, that'll, that'll be whoever ends up being the, the maester of tournaments. I don't know what that maester title is. Um, because I'm not into any of the, any of the the, the fluff, um, but they, like they, that's got to be a, a priority. So maybe they can make something happen before then. But actually, it, it'd be pretty nice to have it in Europe, anyways. So yeah, I don't uh, see how they don't do it in Europe or at Stalin. Yeah. I don't see. It. I like, think that's a you major do it, slap in the face, right? Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, you do it. You do it over there. You guarantee like a big turnout. As long as they f- they want it, like you right. know if. If for some reason the the Stalic people don't want it there, then then that's another story. But well, but even if they don't want it at Stalic, I think it still makes sense to have the event in Europe, just because. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's fair. Absolutely. You, I mean, and and I would hope like maybe the Stalic, maybe the tournament organizers at Stalic don't want it to be a permanent thing, but at least the first year after you know, the FFG sort of passes off the the organizational torch, so to speak. It would be nice to have it somewhere where we already know there's going to be a large turnout. I, I think that's the that's the idea for me. Uh, all right, let's look up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one more thing I wanted to ask you, Francis, while we've got you on here, um, what what are your feelings towards uh, a potential change to the restricted list, um, particularly with with Sea of Blood in mind? Obviously, you know, if you had your druthers, maybe nothing would go on there. But from but if you were if you were uh, a designer, um, what what would you add to the restricted list to sort of to sort of even things out, so to speak? So if I'm gonna add things from Targ Sea of Blood, I'm also gonna hit Barra Cohort, and I'm also gonna hit Lanny Shadows. Um, 
the main reason is I think if there's no aggro decks in the meta, passive power gain or even just like tar cohort with a, a tower of attachments on Danny just runs away with the meta if there's nothing to keep it in check. Um so I, I people are very high on Kotho and I agree Kotho is very good. Um I, I don't know how you hit Targ Sea of Blood without hurting other decks, but Kotho is probably the easiest one. I would not hit Cal the Core Drogo. I think it's a bad choice. Uh, I I agree for what it's worth. Um if you're gonna hit like those good six costers, you're gonna start hitting them all over the place and Core Rob has been in the uh, like a strong card and a strong like every start deck plays Core Rob or almost every start deck and it's not even discussed as being hit by the restricted list. I don't see how you hit that when Stark has been winning Stalic three of the four years. Um, Kotho is definitely above curve though. Um, do you feel like do you feel like restricting Kotho? And like we- let's say the restricted list is just Kotho. Do you think that do you think that that evens things out, or do you think then Kohor and Shadows are just too good? Like they're just that much better than Sea of Blood. I mean, they're that that much better. If you don't if you don't have anything ag- aggressive in the meta, I think. Anything... So you think you think restricting Kotho kills Sea of Blood? No, I don't think so. Okay, because that's I guess that's my. I I personally think. Uh, a heavy-handed approach to the restricted list now would be a bad thing, um, especially with Tark Sea of Blood, because, like you said, Tark Sea of Blood is checking a bunch of decks, right? Yeah. But it's probably about way too far above the rim to use a a, a colloquialism. But yeah, it's it's. I think that um, eliminating the deck from the format would create other imbalances, like you said. So that it's for me it's about finding the right tweak to 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 sort of bring Sea of Blood down just a notch. And I honestly think Kotho might, you know, be the answer, but it seems like people are more interested in in the heavy-handed approach. I mean, uh, I can see banning Sea of Blood if it wasn't for all the other decks that would just go up in popularity. And just be way too good. There's always going to be a deck or a few decks that are better in the meta. Of course. Uh, so you can't. You can never stop that. You, you take one away, another one pops up. It's always going to be like that. Um, it is kind of the flaw of the of using the restricted list as a means to, um, as a means to diversify the meta game. You know, I think ideally uh we'd we'd be designing new cards to do that to, to 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 do that and 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 maybe rotating cards out i don't know that seems like that hasn't been talked about at all uh in all of this uh transitionary process is ffg was eventually going to rotate cards out of the game and we basically got right up to the point where that would be happening and i haven't heard that discussed at all so i'm interested to see you know what the next few weeks and months bring as far as um de- you know development because you know the, it's where where do you guys land on the rotation stuff i mean would that be something you'd be interested in seeing i am yeah de- definitely um i yeah i i'm not sure that i've played a game very 
seriously that that rotated like i play i, I guess I, I play magic pretty damn casually so uh that doesn't really work for me um i do play eternal and i, I the format that i play there is the one that doesn't rotate so it'll, it'll be a change for me but i think um i guess i'd have to look at the the first cycle cards and, or the first two cycle cards and see what what's even getting rotated what's even getting played at this point but even without rotating like forever some cards, you can just rotate rotate in and out some cards during a certain amount of time. Like for three months or four months period, you like remove part of the first and second cycle, but not all of it. You make some decisions to keep some of the like of the some of the the traits that are together in some of the cycles together. Uh, you want to keep some drum gods together or some Dothrakis together or whatever the traits are, some Rolor together. Uh, and you just, you don't have to remove it completely from the game for the full, like for the rest of the game. Uh, but you can remove them for one cycle at a time, like for a certain period of a time, one cycle. Uh, I would be interested in seeing that approach as well. Um I was looking at the deck list from my Tarxia of Blood, and you were mentioning what what I would restrict. I would actually restrict King in the North. I think that card is pretty good in that deck, and pretty good in uh, Barakohor as well. Uh, I would try to hit the top three decks to me were Liney Shadows, Barakohor, and Tarxia of Blood. So I would probably try to hit those three the most. Yeah, I th- I I like restricting uh King of the North. I also like a restriction on Return to the Fields. Yeah. Um I think those two plots in particular uh, keep a subsection of of decks and strategies down. Um but you know, then then we have to discuss like where does things they do for love fit into the into Thrones because obviously if yeah. any amount of that is incorporated um, I think that gives a big shot into the arm in the arm to all the attrition decks. So maybe we don't want to get rid of Return to the Fields, and we don't yeah. want to get rid of King in the North, because if those decks become oppressive and a huge problem, then you're going to need stuff to combat them. So it's a big thing. It's a it's a, it's 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 going to be difficult, and I don't begrudge any of the potential people who will be in charge of all that. Um, I wish them the best, but it's going to be, it's going to be an uphill battle. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, I'm interested to see where things go. It it seems almost impossible to me that there won't be some major changes on the horizon. I know that, uh, UK war had their draft this last week and, and, uh, they're choosing not to make any changes, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, and that it sounds like, uh, thrones war, uh, the USA Thrones War, the SoCal Thrones War, original Thrones War is going to make quite a few changes. Um, so we'll see. We, I guess pe- they can kind of use those events as experiments or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, uh, I'm a little bit nervous about all the changes. I mean, we, we talked to you a little bit earlier about introducing cards that would kind of uh, replace or, or do what a restricted list would, would kind of want to do, um, which feels like what the things we do for love would do. Like, like it would shake it up. It would, it would be, uh, you know, if you make everything legal, it, it make the game kind of, it, it changed the game, right? Entirely from what it looks like now. Um, and instead, 
there's uh, a half incorporation and a restricted list, so uh, it's going to be even wilder. Um, and uh, it's a little nerve wracking to think about having to pre- do that much preparation for a single tournament. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's daunting to, to to consider adding everything. Um, they kind of left us with a weird dilemma. Uh, in that regard, where we have these cards, but we don't really know if we should be using them or not. We don't really know if we want them. <laughs> like, thanks, right. FFG. I, but the co- I didn't even buy the pack, so... <laughs> I haven't bought it either yet. But the, the inverse is, is strange, too, though, in that we, you know, until the Players Committee or the, the Conclave, as it's being called now, is up and running, um, and I envision that to take some time to get going, you know, there's going to be this lull in new content and so it, people are going to be chomping at the bit to try to incorporate things uh, we do for love and it'd be nice if somebody could just come down from the heavens and tell us how to make the right decision but uh, alas we'll be left to make you know make mistakes on our own probably so <laughs> yeah. it's really daunting, but pretty exciting too like uh, the, the war format working together with people is is always the best part of the format so uh getting to do so with such a dynamic change is going to be uh you know fun but stressful i think for me because i I don't like to perform poorly at things and so uh it sounds like a lot of work but i just i just don't want them to make it a 1.0 game i i'm pretty sure 1.0 was good but it's a different game with a different cost curve. I, d- I don't want people to make it into a mix of 1.0 and 2.0. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah that's great. definitely a, that's definitely a, a risk. Uh, <laughs> Cause it seems like, you know, obviously they tried to balance out some of these things to, you know, the two point design heuristics, but I'm not sure they really accomplished it ultimately. Um. I mean, they were just cards that were left by Nate French, from what I, from what I could see in the in the pamphlet that uh, that was with the card, uh, yeah. the pack that came out. So, not not that it's bad, but they were not tested for the game for sure. Yep, exciting times ahead. Um, yeah, I I have confidence that the people working on it will uh, will go for a long time and. Uh, we'll, we'll do things even if they stumble sometimes, which which we all do. So, do you guys have anything you want to talk about outside of Thrones? I got some wisdom teeth taken out on Friday. That's a fun experience. How are you feeling? I feel I feel all right. It was a weird weekend. Let's just say that, but I feel <laughs> fine now. <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> you you said you were wrapping up your Pathfinder. Did that wrap up, or you just have a long session? Uh no we're we're getting really close to the end of the campaign so things are getting prolonged and protracted, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah my my campaign's actually nearing. It's probably in the last twenty percent, which is, uh, kind of crazy because it's the first time we've ever we've ever gotten this far, and uh, I don't know what to do with my hands. Things are getting crazy. Yeah, it seems to be a common theme <laughs> among groups. Uh, but yeah, we've been like playing the same campaign for going on. Well, it's been over three years now, which is the longest I've ever played any yeah. particular campaign. So I think people are ready for something fresh and something new. But 
Um, but we gotta we gotta finish it out, you know, finish it out with style. So yeah, like I said, the <laughs> uh, sorry we didn't record yesterday. Things just kind of got out of hand with that. So one one thing that I'm super excited actually. Uh, wait, wait, did you want to add something there, Francis? No, I just I was just asking. They've been playing for three years. That's that seems like a long campaign. Oh, it's insanely long. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that, that's <laughs> that's long. That's that's long. Yes, um, I was gonna say that Angela won the lottery for the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on Wednesday, so we're gonna go see that. We're gonna I'm gonna take a half day, nice. Go to San Francisco and watch this five hour long play split up into two parts, and I'm super excited. I. I'm, wow, uh, it's five hours. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like two and a half hours, and there's two parts, um, one at two o'clock, one at seven o'clock, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's kind of crazy. We we've been like super into like plays and musicals lately, and uh, over the past few years, I like read all the like. I'm super late to the Harry Potter thing, but I, but I dug it as I was doing it. You know, maybe maybe three years ago, I, I read all the books, um, and for some reason, we hadn't really considered this ninth. You know, it's like it's essentially book nine is what they, you know, what they kind of pitch it as, and uh, and now we're finally going to see it, and I'm super excited. Like, uh, we we just found out on Saturday or Sunday. I don't know. But, when she won the lottery for it um hell yeah that's awesome yeah can't <laughs> i'm like i, I want to catch up i, I want to remember everything that happened in all the books um which isn't really a problem but uh yeah it's exciting right on how about you francis um i'm good I just i did an escape room last weekend so it was pretty fun to go to do something did you yeah, go ahead. Did you escape? Yeah, we escaped, but I was shit, man. So it, it's not the first time I go, uh, but it was it was a scary one, and I'm super nervous. I don't watch horror movies and all that. And there was someone in the room with us uh, for most of the time, and as soon as he was walking around me, I was just moving around. <laughs> and I'm like, just stay away from me, so I'm not gonna hit you by accident. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was pretty funny. So we were two of my best friends and my girlfriend. And my girlfriend was the one with the bigger balls and the whole thing. <laughs> she, she was just going everywhere. Uh, she wasn't scared of anything while the three of us were just wa- looking at the people and uh, being scared. So it was, it was pretty fun. But yeah, we ended up getting out, not because of me. <laughs> yeah, moral of the story, don't let a little girl with no face scream at you in uh closed doors <laughs> i don't want to go in my basement anymore <laughs> right on yeah well thanks for coming on um yeah sorry it took us so long to get this thing orchestrated but uh we finally got you in here we're gonna we should hopefully have the episode up in a couple of days so yeah um yeah alejandro you got any last words uh we love you Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no problem. And uh, everybody, don't forget to check your reserve. Are we doing that? Is that a thing now? I don't know. I well, I can't figure out if I like it or not. But ironically, saying it, I think at this point. Yeah, Um, I guess so. Yeah. 
it's kind it's kind of uh corny and and i'm just like a kind of a corny guy so for all me right. to say that it feels it's a thumbs up for me <laughs> all right well <laughs> goodbye everybody we'll talk to you next time